1: It's the Nightcap.
0: Canadian way.
1: Man what I am. Let's go! It's the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Is that not
2: pure gold? Where else are you going to find Don Cherry rapping than right here on the Nightcap? You know, he called the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks because they celebrate. This guy's out here rapping about Bobby Orr. Can't have fun anymore in the NHL. It's the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. 8030550 is the phone number. If you want to touch on anything we've been on, uh, Jeff Skinner's contract, whether the Sabres need to sign him, uh, a little bit on the bills at the end there. I, I kind of like my comparison to DK Metcalf to Sammy Watkins. I'm not saying they're the same player. I'd rather have DK Metcalf. But if you missed that, that's an hour number one on demand at WGR550.com. And uh, I'll touch on that a little bit later as well. We'll hear from Chris Peters. In a little under a half hour, ESPN, lots of prospects, NHL, Capo Kako, what a name that is, Jack Hughes, who I love as a player, I watch him and I just think Johnny Goudreau every time I see him. Spitting image. So I'm excited about those guys at the top of the draft, and I mean... You know, the Sabres are putting me in a position where I can be excited about the guys at the top of the draft again. I don't want to be here. I want to be thinking about the playoffs. We had a discussion once here on this show whether you'd rather play the Leafs or the Blue Jackets in the first round of the playoffs. That was a thing we did, and we are so far removed from that. We are back to talking about finishing last again. Even though it's like a mini, it's a mini race for last at the end here, we're back. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Let's actually go right out to a Sabre call here in the first uh, call of the segment. Let's go to Buzz in Buffalo. What's up, man? You're on the nightcap.
3: What's up, man? How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, good, good. So uh, I called in, I think, on Monday night when uh, you were getting subbed in for. Yep. And I was talking about the Sabres, and like the, you were just talking about, okay, we're looking forward to the draft lottery now, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. There's another way that you can make yourself feel better about the Sabers, and that's is why I said Monday night, is that if you've been loading up on betting against them for the last 16 games, dude, you are killing it. You're killing it. If you bet enough to win $100 on each game, uh, the one game they won, they were getting they were plus 150 against St. Louis. So take off 150, you'd be up 1,350 bucks in the last month. And so tomorrow, so I, and, and I don't. And then they won, and then they won again against Columbus, or they lost against Columbus again. Now, I, I'm, you, I, don't hold me responsible if the Sabres happen to win tomorrow night because it is hockey. It's a tough game to bet because there's puck luck. You know, you've got goalie stands on his head, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, a t- it's tough. That being said, the Sabres are god-awful, and they play Ottawa tomorrow night. Ottawa beat them 4 nothing about two weeks ago. Ottawa's been playing okay, and they are playing in New York tonight, so it's going to be back-to-back for Ottawa. But Buffalo is a a 185 to 100 favorite tomorrow night. So you can take Ottawa tomorrow night plus 165. You bet 100 on Ottawa, you win 165. Dude, I mean, who makes these lines? Is anyone watching the Sabres in Vegas? It's awesome, dude.
2: Yeah, I I haven't been paying attention to it, man. Uh, I mean, where were you a couple weeks ago betting against them? 16 of 17? Is that what it is? 15 of 16? 15 of 16. That they've lost. Whew. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they. Uh... They were favorites the other night. Uh, maybe that that was the other Ottawa game that they got smashed in for nothing. There was a tic tac toe play between three guys I had never heard of. That's pretty uh, impressive too. I've heard of most players in the NHL. If there was a tic tac toe, I didn't hear of any of them. Brian Gibbons, maybe I'd heard of, but yeah, brutal. Let's go to Brian in Buffalo. Brian, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Yeah. Uh
0: I just uh, wanted to say your comparison, uh, to start off by saying that DK Metcalf to AJ Green comparison I
2: I wouldn't Well I, I didn't compare him to AJ Green. I said that his ceiling could be like that level of player. I didn't compare him to AJ Green.
0: Okay. I I would say that his ceiling could be uh, Calvin Johnson.
2: He's that type of... Woo! Or Julio Jones. Okay. I, I, we're, we're kind of in the same tier here. Like, I'm thinking along the same lines. Julio Jones, I said... like I'm, I'm talking like he does have the potential... I think you would have to agree, like elite level receiver. Calvin Johnson, that's tough though, man. I mean, he is... He's not the best receiver ever, obviously, but he... Is it, am I crazy if I say he's the most talented receiver ever? Like, I don't think Metcalf has that in him.
0: I would say the most, most freakish. But... Yeah. um.
2: Also, uh, a good comparison. We were arguing.
0: Uh, a friend of mine and I were talking about Metcalf, and he was saying, "Oh, he looks like T.O." And I said, "Well, he had this was prior to the um, combine. He, he has the Moss speed. <laughs> now, now we're in really elite territory. So, um, this really wasn't the nature of my call. But I guess you can compare it to uh, whoever. But I, I, I think DK Metcalf could be excellent in the NFL. I just don't think he's worth a uh, top 15 pick for the risk. But the real reason for my call was Sal Capacho the past few days has been really high on Nikhil Harry. And Nikhil Harry has been uh, known for months and even prior to the season from Mm -hmm. Arizona State as one of the top receivers. And I've I've studied a lot of his film, good film, bad film, uh, whole game film. And he is a contested catch receiver a lot. Anquan Bolden and he cannot separate he, he gets no separation but he he somehow can return punts kicks and he's good in in the open field but when he's against a corner good or bad he cannot get any separation therefore I would steer far away from him and uh, I just wanted I don't know why Sal Loves him, but
2: well, there, there are. It's not just Sal, too. I, he's like kind of rising. I don't know why either. He's not a player I've dug into, so I'll have to take you your word for the separation point, which would be worrisome for me. Um, but even even Metcalf, like I'll kind of throw him into the same thing. I, when I watch him, he's a guy I have watched more film on, and it's kind of the same point, just with a different player. Like, he's a guy when I watch him, I don't see consistent separation yet. I got everyone telling me that he could be a top 10. Some people are telling me he could be a top 10 pick. And if Harry, if Harry has that same problem, then I don't really want to go anywhere near him. But I would say I'd rather have him because I only have to spend probably a second-round pick on him, whereas Metcalf, if I'm not drafting him ninth, I'm probably not getting him.
4: Well,
0: that's, that's a fair point. But I would say if you have DK Metcalf on your team, you can just line him up, at X or Z, and have him literally run a 40-yard 40, 40 dash on the field, and you have to have a guy over the top cover him.
2: I, I agree with that, man, and I get that, but like I, can, I should be able to find that. They may have already found that. John Brown's a burner. He's not great. He's not going to give me more than 50, 60 catches a year, or even on a good year, but he's a guy that I want to stretch the field. And I can find that. I should be able to find that somewhere else. I got Marquise Brown, the Oklahoma kid. He stretches the field. I don't have to draft him ninth overall. So, like, that's... That's why I'd be afraid of Metcalf. If that's all he's going to be, and I'm not saying that's all he's going to be. His ceiling's a lot higher than that. But if that if it is that, just a stretch-the-field guy, give me a break with ninth overall with him. He's such an interesting prospect. He's almost kind of like Josh Allen in a sense. Where the physical ability is through the roof. You watch him in shorts and a t-shirt work out, and you go, wow, look at that guy. But where was the college production? Allen might work out. Allen might work out with that same thing being said, but you can't argue that it makes it a risky pick. Maybe the Bills will be enticed with that. I mean, they already proved with Allen that if they think you can, they can get what they want out of you in the NFL. Then they'll kind of turn a blind eye to what you did in college. So maybe they will be that. Inter- they will be interested in him uh, even that early. They did visit with him, or they hosted him on a free agent or a, a draft visit. So I do think he's in play for them. I don't think he's definitely a leading candidate at this point, and he's definitely not my favorite idea. Harry, even if the stuff you say is true about him, I only got to spend a second round pick on him. I love the idea of the Bills drafting a receiver in round two or three, but not in round one. Let's go to John in Buffalo. John, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
0: Well, you just kind of answered my question in your little rant there. Oh, okay.
2: What, 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 what was it? What we got?
0: Right, well, everyone's talking about how great DK Metcalf is. He's a physical specimen. Yeah, well, Tony Mandrich was a specimen, too, when Green Bay took him. But there's no production in college. None whatsoever. For the. What he should be, the way he looks in the combine. Maybe he's just a late bloomer. And number two, that fellow there to high on Ottawa tomorrow. If you want to give him my number, go ahead. A college goalie playing his first game. Uh, okay. I'll take that.
2: John, John. But before you go, how do you feel about my uh, my Allen comparison there? Though the Bills kind of turned a blind eye to college production there, that they might do it again with Metcalf at a different position.
0: I think I think that's a perfect scenario. I mean, like you said, you look at the guy. I, it's hard to understand why there wasn't no production. Why at the pro day did the guy who was like fifth on the roster there have a better pro day? I I don't know. I yeah. know what you're saying though.
2: Yeah, John. John, thanks for the call, man. Um, I I just be worried about it. I, he's risky. Allen was risky. They might hit big on that. I'll tell you this. If because that those would be two picks I personally wouldn't make, and I think a lot of people wouldn't make. Last year. When Sal came out with his first mock draft on our website, and he had the Bills taking Josh Allen. All the Bills fans that we saw on Twitter and on the phone lines and on the text line hated it. Hated it. And I bet Sal had them taking Ed Oliver in his most recent mock draft, which you can find that, by the way, on our website. Um, If he had had them taking DK Metcalf, I bet a lot of people would have hated it. And if the Bills did have the guts to do that, and they hit on that type of player again, physical freak, with not the greatest college production, I shouldn't. I'm not talking like Metcalf had no college production. I mean, he had production. He was injured a lot. In the games he played in, he was good. He just didn't explode off the stat sheet. And to me, he didn't explode in the film either. But if the Bills landed another. Another star. I'm assuming here that Allen's going to continue to progress, but if they did that again, whew, this this McBean, McDermott and McBean, and Bean, they would deserve a lot of credit if that happened. It's a lot of what ifs there, and it's a lot of hypotheticals. But if all of that panned out, they would deserve a ton of credit for that. Ton. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. I kind of like the Ed Oliver idea, though. I mean, it seems very realistic at this point. One of the red flags with him was the spat he got into with his coach, Major Applewhite, in the college football season. With the whole jacket thing. Like, it felt like before that, he was like a top-five pick. And I'm not saying that's the reason, but it seems like since then, he's kind of fallen to the point where the Bills could even land him at nine. And I love the idea of that. A guy that was once upon a time thought of as, hey, maybe he could be a first or second overall pick and now fast forward a little bit later and, hey, maybe he could, you can get him at nine. I'm all in for that. If he's that much of a physical freak and you can get him there, like the position need is there with Kyle Williams retiring. You have no idea what Harrison Phillips is going to be. I hate when you hear anybody Talk about the future of the Bills and the guys you got locked in on defense and Harrison Phillips gets mentioned there. Like, he's a third-round pick. I didn't hate him in his rookie season, but you cannot pencil that guy in to be some starter for you for a long time. He hasn't shown that much. And Latulale is such an old-school defensive tackle, and you're paying him big money. He's He's not a guy you can have out there on third downs. Passing down situations, with this becoming a passing league, you almost can't have him on the field because he's like, he is a zero threat to rush the passer. So, if you're relying on a third-round pick from last year in Harrison Phillips to be your only source of an interior pass rush, like, that is a need. Defensive tackle. Even though you might not think about it. Jordan Phillips is here, too. Um... I might rely on him more than I would. At, I might count on him more than I would at Phillips at this point. But I, I like the Oliver idea, even though you've got bodies there. I like the Oliver idea. Especially when like, you're edge rushers, you've got Hughes, and he's getting up there. Who knows how much longer he's got. And then Shaq Lawson, Trent Murphy, you cannot count on them either to give you a consistent pass rush. You can't count on either one of them to be healthy consistently. So take all the help you can get on that side of the ball. Or on, on the defensive line, I should say. Let's go to Mike in Amherst. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
0: Hi. Um, question for you. Sure. Do you think the, you think the NFL draft and free agency should be reversed? So the draft comes first where you pick your, your players, and then free agency comes and you fill in after that. For example, teams in the top half of the first round take the best player available –
2: what if you've already picked that player up in free agency? Um, hmm. I don't know. I, I like... I, it's an interesting idea. I don't, I'd don't. i have to think about it a little bit longer. My, my gut, though, is that I like it. My instinct is that I like it. Because, yeah, when you think about it, then that would turn the draft more into best player available. And then... Like, in terms of team building, I think that would help. Especially a team like the Bills. So... It's interesting. I don't know. Flipping it. I don't like the draft in March, though. There's not enough buildup. Especially if I need a quarterback. Like last year, could you imagine if the draft would happen in March? How much content we would have lost out here on the station? We were only talking about quarterbacks for months. That was fun. You're taking that away? is fun. is nice. But the buildup's not as much. Like, it's not as fun. You know what I mean? In terms of talking about it, entertainment, I think I'd rather have the draft later on. We still got a while to go. A few weeks before that even happens. All right, let's get back into hockey when we come back here. I want to get into Chris Peters. He was on with the morning show yesterday. Uh, ESPN, he covers the NHL, but mostly prospects for ESPN. Had him on a bunch of times on the station. Frozen Four is going to be here next week. Uh, a lot of stars are going to be there. Kale McCarr is one. Right here in Buffalo. We'll have it on our station. And we've got the Amherst in the playoffs coming up. you got the draft lottery. So, if you're looking for optimism surrounding Buffalo and hockey, we're back to looking to young guys. And I, 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 I like that. I like doing that. I don't want to be doing that every year like it's been, but... You like thinking about the future of the game. And we got a lot of that surrounding uh, the area right now. So we'll get to Chris Peters after this timeout. It's the nightcap Jody Biase here on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap Jody Biase here on WGR. I promised Chris Peters, and we're going to get right to it. He was on with Howard and Jeremy yesterday talking prospects, talking hockey with the guys. Here is ESPN's Chris
1: Peters on our Western Hotline. Uh, Maybe you've been watching, if you've been watching the college hockey coverage on ESPN, you will be uh, seeing this gentleman, uh, have seen him on some of the intermissions, talking about some of the prospects. Uh, Chris Peters, ESPN.com, joining us to talk about the NHL draft. Chris, it's uh, Howard and Jeremy here in Buffalo. Good morning, sir. How are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, guys. How's everything out there?
1: (laughs) Good. We're uh, we're doing what we always do uh, as uh, Sabre fans, getting ready for the draft lottery.
4: Yeah. It's good to be with you again for
1: that. Yeah. So we're excited about that. Hey, um, I guess, you know, one of the things I want to ask you about, Chris, is it 1A, 1B? Is it Jack Hughes, number one? And wait a minute. I got to make sure I don't screw this up. Capo, Kako number two. Is it head to head? How would you talk about those two guys? I assume they're at the top of your list.
4: Yeah, they're 1-2, they're I think, pretty much for, for everybody right now. Um, you know, and I, I'd say that it's, it's, it's not quite 1A, 1B. I, I guess it depends on who you talk to. Um, it's not 1A, 1B for me. It's still Jack Hughes at the top and Capo Capocacco at, at number two. Um, but I think that the gap started off very large coming into the season and is narrowed as the season has gone on. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of what happened during Austin Matthews' draft year with Patrick Laine chasing him. Um, And then having a great second half of the season and everybody kind of opened their eyes and said, "Okay, well, this this kid's special, too. Um, And that's really happened with Kako. He's he's had a great year in the Finnish league. Um, He's putting up a lot of points, uh, you know, one of the top, really the top U18 scorer that they've had in in that league since uh, since Alexander Barkov. So it's it's a pretty impressive uh, performance from him so far. Uh, he's also bigger, you know, he's stronger at, at this point. He's probably a little closer to, you know, NHL impact. Uh, but I think when it comes to upside, you look at the, the elite skill of Jack uh, Jack Hughes, you look at the the speed that he has, I think there are just some things that he can do that, that a lot of players can't. And that's the reason that he's still at the top for me. He's not, you know, he's, he's about the same size as Patrick Kane was in his draft year. Uh, but there are just so many things that Jack Hughes can do at, at a special level, That that he's still number one for me, and and Kako's number two, despite his uh, late push here.
1: Is anything? uh, Is any part of the evaluation? One's a center, one's a winger, and and you know typically teams are going to put more value on the center.
4: Yeah, that is part of it. I think positional that, and and when it's close, the center is usually going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, And and I think you know we talked to Kako at the beginning, uh, or really at the at the junior world junior championship, and. You know, kind of asking because he had played some center in his career, but as a professional, he's been a wing, and, and he, that seems to be his preference. Um, you know, I think is there a possibility that he could play center, maybe? But you know, if he's not playing center right now, the teams might not you know tamper with that and see, you know, just kind of let him be who he wants to be at this point because it's obviously working out for him. So yeah, I think that the positional thing is is definite, uh, definitely uh, part of it, um, but more than anything, I think it just comes down to you know what the, the skills and the things that, that those guys do. I think there are teams that have Kako at number one over Hughes. Um, you know, I, if they, I haven't talked to them yet. I know like the, most of the people that I've talked to still have Hughes at number one. But, yeah, I think that that's kind of the interesting thing. Uh, the interesting part of the debate is, you know, positional, uh, the positional bias, I suppose, because centers are always going to get uh, the benefit of the doubt. There,
1: if the Sabers don't win the lottery and get into one of the top two spots, um, how many guys, ballpark figure or whatever, are in the next tier?
4: Yeah, that's a. You know, I think it comes down to like really probably about six guys in total that are in that next tier um, that that are really interesting that have a potential to you know, to be really good impact players. And there's a really wide variety in that next group of, of kind of style, styles and positions, uh, which is which is great. I think, you know, the top defenseman right now is, is Bowen Byron, who plays for the Vancouver Giants. And in the WHL put up some massive points this year. Such poise for a young guy. I think he was in the mix for the Canadian World Junior Team until later in the process and ultimately didn't get invited to camp. But he's a guy that I think, Uh, A lot of people are interested in, uh, especially with the way he's played in the second half of the season. He's just been phenomenal for for Vancouver. Um, And then, you know, there are a couple other guys in the WHL uh, that that have really been towards the top of the list for most of the year. That's Dylan Cousins, explosive skater, you know, a bigger center, makes a lot of plays, good shot, you know, can be more of a scoring center. Um, So he's he's interesting. And then there's Kirby Dock, who's an elite playmaker, high-end hockey sense, six foot four right shot center um, that that a lot of teams are, are interested. He doesn't have the quickness of a cousins, but he, you know, his, his elite hockey sense, I think is a, is a defining factor in his game. And then you look over at the national team development program and there, there's a a trio of guys over there that, that are really interesting and intriguing. And it depends on who you talk to or where they rank, but it's uh, Matthew Boldy, who's a, a highly skilled, big winger, uh, that, that you know can score, Trevor Zegras, who's kind of like a Clayton Keller, Patrick Kane style, you know playmaking center. He has played wing a bit this year as well. He's, he's kind of quick and shifty. And then Alex Turcotte, who uh, is more of kind of a two-way center, plays a really strong offensive game, well-rounded player, strong. And then the wild card in that mix is Vasily Podkolzin, who's you know a Russian player. Uh, to me, he's you know, as far as talent goes, he's my number three guy right now, at least for now, um, at this late stage of the season, and he, you know, it's the Russian factor exists. His his rights are owned by St. Petersburg, and that's a tough tough team to get guys away from. So that's another thing. But if it was on talent alone, I think he would be in the mix as a a top three guy.
1: Chris Peters is with us from ESPN.com as we talk about the top prospects in the draft. How deep is round one? And I ask you that because the Sabres will have their pick. And then they're going to have another pick, either St. Louis or San Jose, which would be towards the bottom of round one at this point. So how deep is the round since they'll have two first round picks?
4: Yeah, it's it's pretty deep. I think that the the consensus starts to thin out, you know, towards the twenty twenty three range, uh, where where teams are starting to, you know, it seems like it there's there's that same group of players that are up there because everybody feels pretty strongly about them, and then after that, it really, there's a lot of variance in terms of opinions, and 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 you know, it, it just kind of gets to the point where you, you have to start making decisions on you know who who is that best guy available, and for some teams, it's going to be, uh, you know. they're they're guys that maybe other teams would have in the second round it just kind of depends so i I think that the depth is there um there's a lot of talent and kind of versatility of talent later in the draft there's a lot of kind of uh you know intriguing guys that that teams might take chances on like a third year draft eligible player brett Leeson, who's had a a phenomenal year in the whl and played for canada's world junior team and you know there's, he, he's a guy that could be there in the later, later portion of the first round. Um, there's quite a few guys from the USHL as well. Bobby Brink is a, a highly skilled player through City. You know, he's been undersized, and his skating has been a bit of a concern, but he's, he's scored at an unbelievable clip in the USHL this year, and that's a tough league to score in. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of players that are going to be available in that second half of the first round and the, in the latter you know, the latter third as well. Um, some goalies in the mix and, and and some defensemen, but yeah, I think that there's still you're still going to find some some real talent there. And you know, I, I look at what the Sabers did in the second round last year, getting Matias Samuelson, uh, who is you know a really strong you know could, was a first round candidate for a lot of teams. And so like that's the kind of players that you're going to be looking for is those guys that that can uh, can make an impact still. And, and I think that they're there this year.
1: You can read his work at <clears throat> ESPN.com. You can also follow Chris on. On Twitter, at Chris M. Peters. Thanks, Chris, for coming on with us. Appreciate it. And uh, in- enjoy the rest of the hockey season.
4: All right. Thanks, guys.
2: There he is, Chris Peters, on with Howard and Jeremy. I'm going to take a time out a little bit early here because when I come back, I want to get into something that's really cool going on right now with Bills fans amidst Titan Gate. been teasing it throughout the show. I'll fill you in if you don't know what's going on with that when we come back. Here on the Nightcap, Jody Biasi on WGR. Literally, I'm so excited. You know, I had a lot of people talking a lot of game, basically saying that they were gonna meet me at the airport with chicken wings. And if they don't, I'm going to be
0: so upset.
2: That is the voice of Shelby Waddle. The wife of newly signed Bill's offensive guard, La Adrian Waddle, formerly the Patriots. She has been leading the cause in Titan Gate. So if you don't know what Titan is, a little backstory. It's a Twitter poll contest bracket to bracket. That Fox Sports NFL has been running for the past few weeks, ever since March Madness really got going. Running this own bracket of their own. Try to find out who the best fan base in the NFL is. So they all seeded the all the teams, and it was based the seeding was based on amount of followers that, that twit that team's Twitter account had. So the Bills were a seven seed in this bracket to determine the best fan base on Twitter. And you would get matched up with the team you were playing and it would be a poll. So like, first round was Bills as a seven seed versus the Seahawks which was a 2 seed. So for 24 hours there'd be a poll put up on Twitter who has a better fan base? Bills, Seahawks and that vote would commence whoever had more votes would go on to the next round. Pretty simple. Bills went past the Seahawks. Like, tough draw by the way, right? First round if you're Bills, if you're looking at matchups, the Bills went Seahawks in round one, Packers in round two. Those are some pretty rabid fan bases. I mean, the Seattle's got the 12th man and arguably the loudest stadium in the league. And then the Packers own the team. Like, their fans own their team. The Bills went through both of them. Close. And then here come the Titans. And you're probably thinking... If you're paying attention to this contest, like, okay, Titans. Not really known for their rabid fans. Just went through the Seahawks and Packers. Should be a breeze. We'll get right to the finals. We'll play the Browns. Whoever was in the other side. It is the Browns. Let's we'll get through the Titans. All was going to planned. It's a 24-hour poll. After 23 hours and 40 minutes, there are just minutes left in this thing, and the bills are up like 20,000 votes good size percentage like 60 per 60 40 in their favor no way like impossible that they would lose this thing it was it was all it was over suddenly 20,000 more than 20,000 votes for the titans appear out of thin air in this twitter poll just magically appeared in 1 minute like it happened instantly and if you follow a bunch of Bills guys on Twitter, like our own Nate Geary, a uh, lot Sabers Twitter too, like all, all the got the media guys around here, players, Matt Barkley's been in on this. They're all reacting like, wait, what the hell? What, what what happened here? What happened? This makes no sense. And our own Sal Capaccio, he gets to the bottom of it. He has people that t- are telling him, hey, there are these bloggers and podcasters and fans for the Titans. That were purchasing Twitter votes, something I didn't even know you could do. So, then some other Bills fans start doing some digging. They're going down in the mentions of this, uh, of this, this fan vote, like below it. And there's these Titans fans like bragging about, "Hey, I did it for the team." And like, there's one guy on this thing. Imagine this: there's a Titans fan bragging on Twitter that he spent. This is true. to purchase 20,000 Twitter poll votes. Imagine caring about an online contest poll so much that you dropped almost a grand on it. That's amazing in its own right. I was thinking about today putting a story up on our website just titled Things You Could Have Bought for $660. But then I thought to myself, that list would be way too long. I can't even narrow it down. Like, what's the point? Like, you could buy anything for $660 almost. $660 somebody spent on this Twitter poll. So, Titans won it. Finger quotes. They won it. They bought their way to this Twitter contest finals, and they're going to play the Cleveland Browns. So... A lot of complaining about it. Hey, Bills got screwed. They did. They did. I'm making jokes on there about how the Titans can't beat the Bills unless something probably illegal happened. Taking a shot at the Music City Miracle at the same time. Thought it was pretty clever. And Bills' social media, man. Here comes Shelby Waddle and Del Reed. Shelby Waddle, the wife of Lee Adrian Waddle, the new Bills offensive guard, Del Reed from 26 Shirts. And they get this thing going. Where they're encouraging Bills fans, you know, take the high road, and suddenly all of these donations are getting made to a Nashville-based charity, it's the Nashville, the Nashville Children's Alliance. It's a nonprofit organization. It's providing services to children who have experienced sexual or physical abuse, and man, Bills fans stepping up too. Like we did this with Andy Dalton. And last I checked, they were over eleven grand in donations. So, you know, Titans fans, you, you got what you wanted. You spent a few hundred bucks and you got into this finals in this Twitter poll. And here come Bills fans, you know, really proving, I think, or trying to prove, who the real top fan base in the NFL is, taking the high road, and... You know, turning it, turning this like stupid, silly Twitter nonsense into a positive that's like actually going to help people, kids. Like, that is just such a cool thing, I think. And credit to Shelby Waddle for getting that going. It's a charity close to her heart. You can, she talks all about it. Sal's got a podcast up. Uh, on our website, he did it this morning. Check that out at wgr550.com. Go to our on-demand audio, sales, sports, and stuff. He does a podcast today with Shelby Waddle. She's on Twitter at Mrs. Waddle68, and just a super cool thing. And more and more donations are are pouring in. They're over eleven grand. I've seen on Twitter they're trying to get to twenty grand maybe by the end of the night. So keep up on that if you wanna. If you want to donate or you want to read more about it, it's on demand at WGR. Or it's not on demand. It's on our website at WGR550.com. So, link to donate there. It's a story kind of laying out uh, what it does. Tells you about the Nashville Children's Alliance. But just such a cool thing the Bills fans are doing. Just stepping up to the plate like that and just taking a silly, stupid, stupid social media thing. And how, how much do you have to care? It's amazing how much Titans fans had to care about being called the best fans in the league that you cheated a system like that on social media. And then Bills fans come right along and they're just like, "Hey, you're going to have your contest. We're going to really show you who, who the best fans in the NFL are. So credit to Bills fans on that one. Best fans in the NFL, in my opinion. I'm not just saying that. Like, everyone says that, right? I wouldn't say that about the Sabres right now. Like, we're putting up with a lot, but, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg, like, those are parties. Everyone just comes right out and says, you're the best fans in the league. I think Bills fans, you know, they kind of stepped to the plate and and kind of showed that it's not such a biased opinion if you say that right now about them. Before I get out of here, I want to touch on one more thing, and it's hockey-related. So the NHL and the NHLPA extended the current playoff format for another year. So 2020-2021, we don't know what the playoff format in the NHL will be. That's interesting. Because the format now is just so stupid. We all know it's stupid. We all know it's dumb. And right now, you've got the third and the fifth best team in the NHL playing each other in the first round. It's actually cool from our end, because Boston-Toronto, like, it's going to be an entertaining series. It's a rivalry that is two of the best teams in the league. That's going to be the best series in the first round. But imagine being a, one of those teams. If the Sabres had kept going after that 10-game win streak, had kept playing at, playing at the pace that they were playing at, and they finished top five in the league, and the reward was to play the Bruins or Leafs in the first round. We'd be pretty mad about that. And what's amazing is the Sabres might, this is amazing, the Sabres might never make the playoffs in this playoff format. If they don't next year, they probably never will. An entire era of a playoff system will have gone by without the Sabres making the playoffs. It's amazing in itself. All right, thanks everybody for listening. you got Pit Reporters coming up next. so Stay tuned for that. I'll be back on your airwaves on Monday because tomorrow we've got Sabres at Senators, the home finale of the season, and then Friday, College Hoops, Final Four. So get ready for that. That's it for me. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. Pit Reporters next here on WGR. Later.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one,